Thank you for that prayer, Tony, because I forgot my microphone in my office. And uh, so thank you for that. And uh, thank you, Lena. That, how old is she? How old are you? 16, 16 years old. Yeah. And, and you guys don't know this, uh, but uh, that was only the second time she's ever sang in front of people. The first was Thursday night. We were like, let's just put you up on Christmas, the biggest Sunday of the year. And so, uh, yeah, so, uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, this, I can't believe I forgot my microphone. I was like reaching to turn it on and it's not there. So welcome to Journey where something weird happens every week. And so uh, that was that almost preach without a microphone. But uh, Christmas, if you guys don't know, is here. And we've been in this series talking about the Advent and the waiting for Christmas and all that comes with it. And what's crazy about Christmas for me is that we keep being told it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it is, but it's also the busiest and the most stressful. And and for some of us, we we want to imagine that this is going to be a wonderful time. But the reality is, for many people in this room, this is also a very difficult time of the year. This season can be hard because you've lost someone over the past year. Or, or maybe it's this idea of we get together with our family and friends and we're reminded not only of who's here with us, but we're also reminded of who's not here with us anymore. And it can be tough and traditions change and things change. And so it's a joyous time of the year, but for some of us, depending on what's going on in our lives, we just don't feel it. Or, or maybe for some of you, it's this reality that tomorrow or maybe today, depending on what your plans are, uh, you're going to sit around a table with some people. And the reality is, is that you've been avoiding them for 364 days, but you can't today or tomorrow. And you know there's going to be conversations that come up. Anybody else's family like that? Like, you know something's going to be talked about and you would rather be anywhere else but sitting in that room or around that table. Or the thing about Christmas, too, is there's all this pressure. Like, it's got to feel a certain way and look a certain way. And depending on your traditions, you have to do these same things over and over again. And you have to go to certain places and do certain things, right? Do you ever feel that? Like, you have to go and do this and see this. And some of you are like, yeah, why do you think we're doing right here, right now? Like, we had to come because my mom said so, right? It's often complicated for a lot of us. And today I knew we were talking about peace, and, and the crazy thing is, is that sometimes it happens to me when I have to talk about something, um, I feel like God's playing a trick on me, because I'll be honest with you, um, this week, there has been so many things that have tried to rob me of my own peace. In fact, even last night, there were some things that I had to deal with and work through, knowing I had to get up here in front of all of you all and say some stuff about peace. I mean, the reality is is there's just so many distractions. I mean, we're distracted all of the time by all of these things. And and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's often these ideas of problems we can't solve. There's people we can't control, expectations we can't meet. And it can be really, really complicated. The other day I was thinking about this reality is we live in a world today where wars still happen, death still seems to reign, sickness haunts our lives, starvation still exists, lack of clean drinking water is still a major problem in the world. They estimate there's more slaves today than at any point in human history, and then there's political unsteadiness and confusion. Our history is that we're a history of people of violence, of war, no matter how advanced we are, evolved we are, educated we are, developed we are, 
there seems to be this pattern over and over again. And that's just out there. I mean, think about you. Think about us. Think about all of these things that we feel. I mean, are there things that keep you up late at night, these kind of restless kind of feelings? And so our hearts and our minds, they're distracted all the time. I mean, some of us, we're struggling with panic attacks. We have this overwhelming sense of despair and depression. I mean, there's turmoil inside of so many of us. And it can be overwhelming as we try to focus and pay attention to what we need to pay attention to. There's all this noise. I mean, you guys have these things. They're called cell phones. And they're constantly distracting. We get on Instagram and we see people's lives through a filter. We're told that we have these influencers, these people that tell us what we should do and how we should dress and how we should live. We get on Twitter and there's 24-7 access to things that we don't even know if they're true anymore. And then there's Facebook. I don't even know what people are doing on Facebook anymore. It's like information overload all of the time. And then some of us, we have bills to pay. And if you guys don't know, financial stress seems to be getting more and more. And the reality is we're constantly put in situations where it feels a little bit overwhelming. I don't know about you guys, but my schedule is so demanding that I feel like I have to have any time to set and to focus and to think. My kids are involved in new sports. It's like every night of the week that we have something going on. And then we have appointments. We have things going on in our lives. For some of us, it's our health concerns. I mean, it's just like it never ends. All of this stuff. And then people come up on a stage like this. And they want to talk about peace. And they want to talk about the peace that we're supposed to have. But the thing is, for so many of us, we're so overwhelmed all of the time with all of the noise, all of the distractions, all of the things that pull us in so many different directions. And so we stop and we say, peace, well, how is that even possible when the reality is all of the distraction and all of the noise is so deafening? I mean, it can be overwhelming. We could lose sight of the most important things all the time. And then we come in here like this today and we're reminded of certain things. Stand and sing with me.
talked about this idea that one of the things that's fascinating to me is the very first question that we see Jesus ask his first disciples or those that were going to be disciples is he asks them this question. He says, what are you looking for? What, what are you actually looking for? What is it that you need? And I think when we think about this holiday season, I think that maybe that's a question some of us need to ponder. When it comes to Jesus and while we're here and while we're celebrating and with all the noise and all the distraction, who do you think Jesus is? And maybe another question is, who do you want Jesus to be? And maybe for some of us, the most important question is, who do we actually need him to be? One of the earliest prophecies that we see about Jesus coming into this world takes place in Isaiah chapter 9. It's about 700 years before this is all going to take place. And it's a famous kind of section of scripture if you've ever been in church around this time. But here's what it says. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So Isaiah, what he does is he takes this language of these ideas, and, and maybe for some of us at different parts of our lives, like we needed Jesus to be different things. We needed him to be the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, but today I want to focus on the last one, the prince of peace. And, and this last one is one that, that Isaiah continues to kind of carry on this theme. In fact, he says, and it won't be on the screen, but he says in the, in the next kind of section, he said, and he will be called the prince of peace and the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. Now, when we see these verses, the question we may be tempted to ask is, well, I want to believe this, and I want to believe that Jesus and his greatness of peace, there will be no end. But the reality is, for some of us, the question is, okay, there will be no end, but how about when will it actually begin? This, this kind of peace. Because the reality is, we've been waiting over 2,000 years since Jesus came. And for this government of peace that will be no end, 
And for us, we, we've misunderstood these verses. We think that Jesus had this plan to kind of take over the governments to bring peace to the world. But I think we've had enough time to understand, to evaluate. This social experiment has carried on long enough to realize that Jesus never intended to bring peace through government, at least in the way that we think about it. He meant to establish this kind of idea, this movement, this kingdom, this government of peace on his own terms. And it's not a throne that sits at the center of any empire or nation. But what if the movement that Jesus establishes, the peace that he wants to bring that will have no end, is one that he establishes in the human heart? Your human heart and my human heart. See, I think when it comes to peace, I think part of the problem is, is we keep trying to find external institution or structures that we believe will finally give us the peace that we all so desperately long for. But as advanced as we come, as evolved as we may be, as educated as we may be, I mean, think about all of the things that we can create as human beings, but we cannot create real peace. It seems to elude us. I mean, it's amazing that you can have all of the wealth in the world, you can have all the freedoms in the world, you can even have all the power of the world, but it can't actually give you the inner peace that our hearts are so desperate for. And some of us, our souls are kind of raging within us. And, and some of us see this lack of peace that we're so desperate for that we can't find. It manifests itself in, in different ways. For some of us, it becomes rage and bitterness. For some of us, it becomes fear and doubt and worry. But it always seems to materialize itself in different ways. But I want you to know something. Your anxiety, your fears, your doubts, your stress, the things that haunt you, your guilt, your shame everything that it is that steals your peace, it's not the life that God wants for you. It's actually parallel to the peace that Jesus wants to bring. In Luke chapter 2, there's this famous section about the announcement of Jesus. We covered half of it last week, and this week we're going to cover the second half. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says this, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When I was thinking about these texts, it dawned on me that if you want to know if God's favor is in your life and he's rested on you, then the way that you measure that is by the peace that is rested in you. Not your wealth, not your success, not your popularity, Those things are all temporary and fleeing. See, the thing we have to understand about peace is that worry is the thief of peace. And worry is often connected to this idea of the things that we're most devoted to. And so sometimes what we have to do is we try to find peace in things that were never intended to actually bring us peace. And so what happens for a lot of us, and I do this, is we end up putting all this pressure on these people or these circumstances or this thing to bring us the peace that we're so desperate for, when in reality, those things could never actually bring that peace. And sometimes we put our devotion and our hopes in things that in the reality, we have no control over. And some of these things, if we're honest, the things that we've tried to find joy in and hope in going back to the last couple of weeks, but today for peace, the things that we try to find peace in, we know that these things can be brought down in an instant. So in the midst of all of this worry that's brought on by the outside distractions and the outside noise that also has this sense of robbing our peace, 
because it can be overwhelming. I mean, I don't know, guys, you guys picked up on this, but that was intentional earlier, right? And I was looking at some of your faces, and you're like, this is not okay, right? Because this distraction, it overwhelms us. And so if Jesus is meant to be our Prince of Peace, then you would expect that he would speak into this. And he does. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, which is in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the most famous kind of teachings that Jesus gives, he addresses this idea of worry and our connection to worry and how it robs us of our peace head on. And he says this, and it's not going to be on the screen, but you can look up Matthew 6 if you have your Bibles or on your phone, or I'll just kind of tell it to you. And he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is true. You want to know where your heart is, then look to where you spend the most of your treasure, where you're most devoted to. So he says this, and then he goes on to say this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And the reality is this is also true because our eyes are what allow us to see the distraction and to see the noise. We're constantly flipping through things on our phone and comparing ourselves to other people and the lives that they have that we don't have, which is all done through filters. None of it's real anyway. And then we're constantly exposed to ads. There was a survey that came out a couple years ago, and it said it estimated that on a daily average back in 1970, a person might see 70 to 100 ads a day, which sounded like a lot to me until I realized that now they estimate that we see anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 advertisements about things we have to have, should have, in order to make our lives better, fuller, and more complete. And so he says, if the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is your darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he says this, and this is the part that's so cheery. No one can serve two masters, for they will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I think the reason that this is such a brilliant teaching by Jesus is just like in their world... In our world, a lot of our worry is tied to our success and our value and our possessions and our wealth. I mean, how much time do we spend thinking about it, worrying about it, working for it, spending it, saving it, and wasting? So Jesus connects these ideas because he understands the source of a lot of our worries, some of the things that rob some of our peace. And it's not just money for some of us, it's so many other things. But he connects these ideas and he says, therefore... I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, we've said this before, but basically Jesus says, don't worry, be happy, all right? You know, don't worry, okay? Don't worry. Now, for you guys that are worriers and you stress all the time, is it helpful for me to tell you not to worry? No, it actually makes you more worried. He says, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than the food and the body more than clothing. And then Jesus gets real hippie for a second. Look at the birds of the air. The birds? Like, seriously? Like, Jesus, you don't know the problems I have. You don't know the stresses that I have. You don't know the worry that I have. You don't know the fears that I have. You don't know all the things that are pulling me in a million different directions. And you want me to take time to look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? I don't know if you know this or not, but you are more valuable than a bird. Okay? And which of you, by by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? 
Have you ever thought about this? There's actually scientific studies that, that show and health studies that show that worry and stress actually take away from your life. It robs you not only of your happiness, but physically of your life. And so Jesus, speaking into this thousands of years before we even understood this, he understands this. I mean, he says, why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today <clears throat> alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? <clears throat> Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, and he's speaking of Gentiles, which is all of us, but in this text, is about those that don't believe in God and his goodness. And he says, and your father, heavenly Father knows you need them. And see, here's the thing. <clears throat> we have these worries. So many worries about things we can't control. So many things that seem out of our control. And Jesus, in this teaching, he, he's reminding us not only of who's in control, but also that we have so many things, so many things to be grateful for and all of this. And, and really what he's talking about is a, a devotion issue, an attention issue. See, some of us were so distracted by all the noise that we can't actually focus on what matters most. And so he wants to redirect our attention to what matters most. And so he ends this teaching with this line, but seek first, but seek first. So here's the question. What have you been seeking first? What is it that you're most devoted to? What is it that you've put into your life that you hope will bring you the joy, the hope, and the peace that we're all so desperately longing for? Is it possible that what you're seeking force first is why some of us are so emotionally wrecked? Is it possible that because we've been seeking something else first, it's why peace seems to elude us? Is it possible? And so Jesus wants to redirect our attention, our devotion to something else. In John 14, 27 Jesus is kind of wrapping up his earthly ministry. And so he goes into this discourse with his disciples about all kinds of things. We've talked about this before, but in John 14, 27, he says this, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, here's the thing. When we think about peace, we've all experienced moments of peace in this world. But again, they're temporary and they're fleeting. But he doesn't give us this type of peace. He wants to give us something more. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. His peace is different than the world's peace. And I love how Jesus kind of cuts through kind of the main sources that we've already talked about. For, for first of all, he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, I know that seems like we're, we're continuing this idea, but let's be honest. How much of us in this room, the reality is our peace is being stolen by our worry. And it's because our hearts are troubled. You're always worried everything's going to fall apart. You're full of all of these worries about things. And, and, and the sad thing is, and we've said this before, when you think about how much you actually control, and I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, I love control. I'm a control person. 
But there's so little I actually have control of that it haunts me. And some of us, we spend our whole life trying to control and dictate situations that in reality we have no control over. And is it possible that for some of us, the reason we're so worried is because you've stepped into a space that only Jesus can step into? And some of us, you're trying to carry things in your life that only Jesus has the strength to carry. And so you're trying to carry all of this stuff and shoulder all this stuff and and get through this stuff. And is it possible you're trying to carry something that simply the reality is you're supposed to trust him about? So he says, your hearts are troubled. But this peace that I give you, it's counter that. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If worry can steal your peace, how much more and how much faster can fear? Some of us, were not just worried, but we're also afraid and we're fearful. And when you take these two and you put them side by side, no wonder so many of us, our hearts, our minds lack the peace that we are so desperate for. But Jesus doesn't just end there. He wants to give us this peace, but he wants to come back to it. And so in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things. Now, what he told the disciples is there's a fly flying around and I have ADHD, so this will be fun, (laughs) is what he's told the disciples, okay, is that in this world, you'll have trouble. Now, did Jesus need to tell us that I mean, I think all of us, I think even the disciples at this point are like, yeah, we've seen it. We've experienced it. We've heard it. So he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So again, he's talking about a devotion issue. He's talking about something different than what the world is. And what he's trying to say is, listen, you need to find your peace in me. It's not going to be found the peace that you need outside of something else. Because in this world you will have trouble. But then he says this, but take heart for I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. And this is the reality of the human existence. Our souls rage with fear, with bitterness. We have greed and envy, arrogance and pride. And I think it's interesting that when we think about this idea of of Jesus coming in and overcoming the world and fixing the problems of being the Prince of Peace and the Wonderful Counselor and all of these things, the problem is for some of us, we want Jesus to fix the world without fixing what's inside of us. But if he doesn't change us, then nothing changes. He says, I've overcome the world, and we love that. We want Jesus to overcome the world and all of our problems and all of the things that are outside of us. But what if part of Jesus overcoming the world, what if part of the world that he's talking about is that he wants to overcome the world within us, our hearts and our minds? See, I think when Jesus talks about this government of peace, when Isaiah talks about this, the reality is there is no kingdom that could ever establish the peace that he talks about if the human heart remains unchanged. And so Jesus comes to be our peace, but also to guide us on the path of peace. But we honestly can't talk about the beginning of the story of sweet little baby Jesus, six pounds, eight ounces, right? Without talking about the end. Because it all fits together. 
And see, the peace that we get in Jesus is not just about Jesus being born. It's about what we see he experiences and he lives and he does. And so the irony of the story is that he comes into the world to bring peace, but then we kill him. Peace has come, but our violence and our chaos kills him. His path of peace right in the middle of that path is pain. And there is a cross. And his way of peace brought him to the most horrific moment in human history. His peace could only come through us through our violence. And so Jesus is crucified, as we know most of us at the end of the story, but that's not the end of the story because there's going to be a resurrection. And, and what we have to understand about the story is the Christian story, the Christian experience, the understanding that pain is right in the middle of the story, but you can't have the resurrection without going through death and pain. And, and so Jesus at the end of, of this story, um, he, he resurrects and, and there's these accounts of these men and women that experience him. And, and what we see in John chapter 20 is, is the disciples, the people that followed him, the people that were closest to him, what we know is that they actually abandon him. They run. Um, some of them even deny knowing him because they're overwhelmed. And they're overwhelmed because there's all this distraction around what's happened with Jesus. And there's all of this noise about what's happened with Jesus. And so they're so distracted and they've lost sight of the main thing. And so now because they're overwhelmed, what a lot of us do is we go and we run and we hide. And the Bible tells us these disciples, they're gathered in a locked room. They're overwhelmed. They're distracted. But the reason I tell you all that is because do you know the first words that Jesus said to his disciples? The first words that Jesus said to his disciples is this. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands, a mark of his peace, but our violence. Jesus knew how badly those men and women in that room needed peace. And he knows how badly we need peace. There's this word that maybe you've heard before. It's the word shalom. Shalom is this ancient word, but essentially it means the peace of God. And shalom in natural order of things and balance and creation and society is the way it's supposed to be. In fact, one author said this, shalom is how God wants things to be. Shalom is peace with yourself, with your neighbor, with the earth, and with God. Shalom, peace, cuts through the noise and through the distractions and through all of the things that rob us of our peace. And so Jesus says literally shalom to you, to these men who are overwhelmed in life. I think that peace reminds us and the peace that Jesus comes to bring and the peace that Paul reminds us of later in Colossians, let the peace of Christ reign in your hearts. What peace does is it reminds us it wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to be brother hating brother and family hating family and people hating people. It wasn't supposed to be a humanity separated by race. It wasn't supposed to be a history of humanity where we draw lines on territories, on maps, and then we fight over them. It wasn't supposed to be a society or a culture where we care more about the things that we possess than the people that we've hurt to gain those possessions. 
And so Jesus says, peace be with you, because he understands that's what our souls long for. And so you find yourself in a room on Christmas Eve. And maybe in this moment, the reminder of this story that we know so well, or so many of us say we do, is the reality that so many of us are overwhelmed by life. Worry and fear, guilt and shame. Some of us, our souls are shattered, our minds are broken to pieces, and we've learned how to hide it, or at least be functional about it. But the reality is, some of us, we so desperately need God to bring peace to us. And I'm convinced that in this moment, Jesus wants to bring this peace. He wants to bring peace that you've longed for. He wants to bring peace to end the anger and the hurt that's inside of you. He wants to bring peace to end the bitterness and anger inside of you. He wants to bring a peace that erases the fear and doubt that you may have. He wants to bring a peace that ends the insecurity and insignificance that so many of us carry. And he wants to guide us to a path of peace. And so for unto you a child is born, a savior is given. The story takes place that there's this angel that comes in and says, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. So if an angel came to you today and sat down next to you and said, fear not, don't worry anymore, what would it be talking about? What is it in your life in your heart that's robbing you of your peace, of your joy, of your hope? What have we allowed to distract us? What noise have we allowed to get into our heads that overwhelms us? What have we been devoted to that just leads us astray? What worries are weighing you down? What have we tried to find peace in only to let the know that it lets us down? So for four weeks, we've been talking about waiting, and we're still waiting. But in our waiting, my hope is that we now know that we can have a hope that transcends the circumstances of what we experience. We know what love is, and we know that love has a name. And we can find joy and celebrate it in the ordinary, in the day-to-day. And we can find joy in celebrating and knowing that Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And hopefully for some of us, we can actually finally start to believe that we can find peace. May we never forget that with all the distractions and all the noise, that Emmanuel, God with us, that God came for us, that God wants to be in us, that God is for you, and that God is for me. And if that's true, then that's some good news. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, we thank you, and God, I know that for so many of us in this room, uh, there are a lot of things that distract us and pull us in a million different directions. And and maybe even in this season we find ourselves in, there's so many things that, that cause us to worry and fear and strife in our hearts and our minds, and God, this story that we, that we celebrate, the beginning of your story of Emmanuel, God with us, it takes place in, a, in this birth story, but it's so much bigger than that. 
And God, may we always remind ourselves that our peace is found in something bigger than these circumstantial things, that our peace has to be found in something bigger than them or that or whatever it is, but that our peace is found in you, that you come to guide us on the path of peace. And God, maybe this season is just a reminder that we focus on so many things. We allow so many things to distract us and noise. And even in this season, with all of the busyness and the hustle and the stress, that even it distracts us from what this is all about. And that is that you came into this world, that your love came into our lives. God, that you bring grace and mercy. And God, hopefully we know that you also bring peace to us. And maybe for some of us, just a quick reminder in these next few moments as we sing these songs that are oh so familiar to many of us. It's a reminder that we've been so distracted that we've missed it. That we've missed the peace that you want to give us and bring into our lives. And so we love you and we thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.